If you're not mad about ads, and that's fair enough, choose the Dave McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts, and you can hear this podcast in all its glory without the ads. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by ACAST. How are you doing there? It is time for the podcast. We are going to be talking about the Aflan O'Brien-esque interpretation of Northern Ireland, John. Oh. And oh. Northern Irish economics. Right. But because Flann O'Brien was from Tyrone originally, yeah. you know. I was such a big fan of Flann O'Brien. He was one of those guys I discovered late and then went to a couple of plays. I think you may have put me on to him. I think I brought you to The Brother, which yes. was played in the Tivoli Theatre by Eamon Morrissey. That's right. And it was the one-man show of the brother. And in fact, Eamon Morrissey, I'll tell you about that, right? So Eamon Morrissey, one of the greats. Yeah. One of the greats. Yeah, yeah. And when I... He is the brother. He is the brother. Yeah. And he has got the, the head of the brother. He's an amazing on Joyce as well. Yeah. In fact, over the last few years, he's got a great Joyce called Joyce Man, right. which he actually has done at Dorky, which is an entire Ulysses oeuvre. It's exactly the same, or very like yeah. his brother, one-man show. But fascinatingly, Eamon Morrissey, when I was doing a one-man show in the Abbey many, many years ago, and I was very nervous ahead of it. Yeah. And I rang Eamon and <laughs> I said, because he's the, he's, he is Mr. One-Man Show. Yeah. And he said, let's go for a pint. And we went to Finnegan's and we hit seven pints of stout. <laughs> in the space of seven minutes, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it. He just, he's, he's, at the end, we were... Were there any crisps with that? <laughs> probably there were many crisps. There was probably many crisps. And it was a Sunday morning. Like it was a kind of an after... While others are at mass. Yeah, no, it was like an after going. mass session, right? <laughs> and I just remember it. And we just drank and we chatted and we chatted. And he told me all about brother, but he actually did say to me, mm. and it was really good advice. He said... My only advice to you in a one-man show is learn your first 10 minutes off by heart. Okay. Because then you get going and then you don't get nervous. Learn it off by heart as if you are reading a text in your head. Yeah. And it was amazing advice because it kind of gets you over the hump of the performance. And then the rest just falls into place. Well, then, first of all, the audience is then be calmed because mm. they think, okay, this guy has it. This guy knows what he's doing, right? He and knows the story's up and running. The story's up and running. You're yeah. up and running. You're limber up physically, yeah. mentally. You're much more alert. And it was great advice. It's just, and because I had said, look, I saw you doing the brother. And he said, yeah. He said, I learned that off by heart. He said, wow. it looked as if it wasn't learned off by heart. But I knew exactly where I was going. And he said, that's the key to the stage. Work, repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah. He kept saying to me, Rehearsal is repetition. 
Rehearsal is repetition. Now, after seven points, I have to go, repetition is rehearsal, repetition. <laughs> and a bowl of malt. Exactly, a bowl of malt. But we're going to talk about Flannel Brian and the North in a second. Big week, though. Big weekend, John. We have the Dorky Book Festival. We are Absolutely. out Woo! the door. Yeah, yeah. There are still tickets available. Some tickets we've sold extremely well. But there is a rumour abroad that everything's sold out. That's not the case. Right. There are some tickets available. So if you are around this weekend, come on up to Dorky. There are a number of events, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Also, it'll just be a great weekend. It's a great and, atmosphere. That's the yeah. thing. Like, Regardless of what shows are on, yeah. there's a buzz around the place. There's people milling around and great banter. And- yeah, and there'll be all sorts of characters milling around. And, and of course, you've got you know, the Hollywood A-listers coming in, yeah. which is fantastic. And we've got a huge amount of really brilliant young Irish writing talent. We have poetry. You know, we've got basically trying to do so, like all these things: the book festivals, literary festivals, ideas festival, whatever Dorky is now. It's a, it's a, it's a whole ecosystem of its own. But what it is, it's great because you know when you get your your big A list, your Tom Hanks, right? Mm. You can use the money from that to actually subsidise the poetry, which yeah. is. People don't go to in the same level, but it's that idea. It, it would be great to have sort of, I've always thought it'd be great to have a record label for literary talent. So you could have your, you know, your your yeah, big A-listers, yeah, yeah. right? But the money that generates from the big bands, like, like well, there's obviously two members of you two yeah. coming to the Doggy Book Fest. I and mean, having Bono and Edge at the Doggy Book Fest is pretty cool yeah. on Sunday, right? Absolutely. But so so for your U2s, when they make all the money from the for the label, in the old days I'm talking about, mm. you could use that money then to give to A&R men to go out and spot talent, you know, in small clubs. Yeah, and in actual that, fact, that's what they did. They set up Mother Records, which was yes. precisely that. Yes, they did. They did. So that's the whole idea was, so we have the, the the A-listers and also lots of history, lots of economics. There's there's there's, there's a fellow called John Davis on stage. I, so I believe. Yeah, Sold yeah. out though. Sold out. He's learned, <laughs> he's, he's learned, he's learned his first 10 minutes off by heart. <laughs> he is the brother. Are you sure about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, do you know where I was this week? Where were you, Mac? I was listening to Lambeg drums, John. Uh, I was listening to up the north. Up, I was up. I was up the Black North, <laughs> doing a gig for Intertrade Ireland, which is the organisation that is trying to promote trade between both jurisdictions. Mm. And it's always very, very interesting. I always find giving speeches up the north fascinating. But if you're up the north at this time of the year, right? and you're spending the night there, and you're in any place, maybe, certainly not Belfast, you know, you're mm. outside Belfast, what you hear is blasting out of orange halls is the band practice yeah. for marching season. And it's 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 mad. I mean, you quite like the drums, don't I you? Do, well, I do, but it, the lambe drum is just, it's burned into all our consciousness as part of Northern Ireland and the Glorious Twelfth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But actually, as a drum, it's fantastic. Is it? It's a, the, a fantastic just the sound, the belt drum. of elephants. But it's huge. It's yeah. a massive, massive bass drum. And they and beating them with sticks. Like, it's it's an amazing sound. Intimidating sound. Intimidating, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you're walking around in a Celtic jersey, it's very intimidating. <laughs> Luckily, I wasn't. I was actually up in County Down and you could hear the drums and all, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, again, this is... It's a celebration only of the past, you know? Yeah, and yeah. And what you're looking at, at a community which is only looking backwards, which isn't looking forwards. Mm. There's no sense of the tomorrow. It's all about yesterday. Who won yesterday? What happened yesterday? What we have, we hold. 
And what you see is that the country is just going on and on and on. And the country's going forward, the whole country. Mm. And this community is just staying stuck. And as, as I've always said, there are now more immigrants on the island than there are unionists. Which is which, amazing, you yeah, know. That's and incredible. I, I'm trying to, you know, and and and, and there's and no I, vision. That's the problem. There's no vision. There absolutely is no vision. And again, I kind of feel in a way sorry for them because what's baked in is what I would call the post-dated check, which is demography. Yeah. So the thing about demography, it's like a post-dated check, right? Because we know how many babies are born, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's actually in the post. The yeah. check is coming in the post. And the check in the post is that under 25 nationalists, stroke Catholics, whatever you want to describe, are in a huge majority. So that is only going to push mm. the unification idea forward. And, and it, you know, the, the idea then is what is going to be either unified or changed. Or, and you even saw in the newspapers that the Republic of Ireland is now paying for nurses in the north. I saw that, yeah, yeah, We're yeah. We're going to be paying for the A5 motorway, which is going to go from Derry to Dublin, which has to go because it's, a, it's an appalling road. It's the road from here to Letterkenny. Yeah. But it's also the road for, to Derry. I haven't but it, driven you know, that much. It's an appalling road and it's actually an incredibly dangerous road. There have been loads and loads of okay, fatalities right. yeah, on it. Yeah. But again, this is something but, that but we're going to pay for. the thing I found really interesting, actually. And it's it's just this gradual process. And that, I mean, the, the loyal brotherhood m- might not like it, mm. but there's just a gradual process moving towards more integration, more connection, and ultimately moving towards some sort of federal change or constitutional change on the island. My own sense is we should probably slow that down. Because oh. of, well, not so much slow it down, but just keep it gradually, 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 you know, because it's but, uh, it's like a lot of things. If you force change too quickly. But is that not one of the key promises on the Shinner's side, that they're going to go for the border poll? As, as soon as they can. As, as soon, soon as, as they, they can. possibly can. Yeah, and I think Which that, I do think is pushing it a bit. I think there needs to be a, a slightly gentler touch. But it is part of their manifesto. But it's always, it's like, it's like lots of things. It's like, if you are in the ascendancy, you have the permission to be gentle, mm. to be caring, to be generous, right? Because the wind is with you. It's when you are with your backs to the wall, like the union stroke loyalists are, that they don't have the capacity to be generous. They don't have the capacity to think long-term. Yeah. And the reason they don't have the capacity to think long-term is because they know something's coming. So I think on the Irish side of things, I wouldn't even call nationalists, on the Irish side of things, I think... It's up to us to be slowly, slowly, generous, generous. But the interesting thing, and this is what I'm talking about today, is the economy doesn't care about that. Yeah. The economy is moving. The integration between both the North and the South is happening unbelievably quickly. And I think for economics, Northern Ireland is like a laboratory for economics. This is what I've always said. So you have this bizarre situation. You've got one island, one people, more or less. Might be some technical differences to where you might go over Sunday, if you're church or mass or whatever your week yeah, is. Yeah. But they're actually, we're actually the same people, right? Yeah. Same natural endowments, right? So same agricultural base, all that sort of thing, except two different jurisdictions. Yeah. So it's like as if you put an economy into a laboratory. You said, okay, one jurisdiction is going to be governed by one law, one tax system, etc. One is going to be governed by another and see what happens. Laboratory, eh? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, like, it's like a Petri dish. I don't want to refer to Ireland yeah. as a Petri dish. But remember they used to do that in biology in yes, school, yeah, right? Yeah. Petri dish, right? Marcus it's there like... with his white coat on exactly. at the moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the Bunsen burner. And the Bunsen burner, yeah. <laughs> burning someone's arse. Remember you used to burn people's arse with the Bunsen burner? 
And it used to take. Do you remember it used to take like fags off? Yeah, it. yeah. But it, it would take about it would take about two seconds to register the heat. <laughs> so you put the Bunsen burner, and then it's only about two minutes later. You go, ah! The problem was that the slacks that we'd be wearing were nylon, so they'd melt. <laughs> they were made by Farah. Farah slacks tight around all the wrong areas. Anyway, go That's back. That's the way the British like them. <laughs> Stop that now. Stop that. But so if we go back this laboratory idea, so you have. One part of the island, Northern Ireland, is much, much richer than the South mm. at the beginning in 1922-23. It is part of the richest country in the world, the United Kingdom, or one of the richest. The other part, the South, goes off on its own, has no real plan other than we don't like them. That was yeah. the plan. Yeah, we don't yeah. like those Brits, right? <laughs> and then a hundred years later, you see, wow, what has actually happened? So it's almost like a nurture versus nature, right? So basically, by nature, we're the same people. But by nurture, we've been brought up by different parents, different yeah. families. And what has actually happened is the part that was poor has become much richer. And the part that was rich, Northern Ireland, has become much poorer. So what it means is that policy matters. This is economics matters. What you do to your tax system matters. How you educate your people matters. And also, I've always thought, the point of the society matters. And this is a crucial idea. Explain that a little. So, yeah, this is something, it's what I call the mood of the nation. Mm. So Ireland, this country that we live in, whether we've been successful or not, or whether it's been, we've distributed the wealth properly or not, the point of the project, the point of the exercise was to try and create a prosperous society. That is the point of an independent Ireland, right? Yeah. When you say, what are we doing this for? Like, what, what, what's this all about? Mm. What we're trying to do, and we have been trying to do for the last hundred years, is go from poverty to relative wealth and try to spread that as best we can. Yeah. And that's up for argument, mm. right? Did like we do that? The spreading bit. The spreading bit. Yeah, no, did we do that? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. up for argument. Yeah. But if you look at every metric, we have spread it incredibly well, yeah. given where we came from. I've always said, think about our great-grandparents, education, wealth. None of these things. That we have. So well, the society's yeah, done extremely yeah, well, yeah. extremely well over the last few years. But the point of a sovereign, independent republic is to try and create prosperity for more people than would have been the case in a different setup, right? Mm. That's the point of the Republic of Ireland. The point of Northern Ireland is not prosperity. This is the key thing. Why? Because when you're talking to unionists or nationalists, right? The point for those guys is to beat each other, right? Mm. They're not talking about GDP. They're not talking about the expansion of the economy. They're not talking about prosperity. They're talking about majoritarianism. I mean, if, even if you look at the unionists now, right? Yeah, yeah. The unionists now are saying, now that the demography has gone against them, their now default position is, well, the South can't afford us, right? Yeah. Now, if you actually disentangle that, what they're basically saying is our strategy is the immiserization of our people in order to make the bill for unification so prohibitive that the Southerners will balk at it. Immiserization. Yes, to make miserable, to make poverty. I've never heard that it's word. It's a great word. I tell you, tell you, this is what you get from reading the books, right? So the immiseration of yeah. people, right? So to miserate means to make poor. And when I'm listening to unionists and loyalist politicians now, particularly unionist ones, right? DUP. Mm. The only way you can interpret this idea of the South can't afford us is... We're going to remain so poor. Yeah. Our objective is going to be poverty because only by being poor will you guys get scared about the bill for unification and we'll slow down that demographic inevitability. So imagine, so the point of Ireland is prosperity. 
The point of Northern Ireland for the unionists is poverty. This is their new strategy. And they don't care about poverty as long as it's red, white and blue poverty. Right. 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 Okay. So, so this isn't, obviously it's not a spoken strategy, but, but this, you think this, this is... This is the only way you can interpret, the only way I can understand as an economist, yeah. a politician who comes out and says, you can't afford us is the supposition and the assumption that us, as in we, mm. are going to remain impoverished in order that you can't afford us. Whereas, if you're a normal politician, say, we're going to try and make things better. We're going to try and make things richer. Yeah. Right? We're yeah, going to yeah, try yeah. and end up in a better position. And if they were to end up in a better position, the bill for unification would be lower, and consequently, Southerners would be much more partial to it. But, but what's, the, what's their pitch then to Westminster, you know, and to the Tory party? It's exactly party. the same pitch. It's basically... We are a foster child that you have to pay for every year. And we are incredibly poor and we're your problem. And that's their pitch. There's no, there's no growth pitch. I mean, well, didn't they, they, in, fair, in fairness, there is what I'm saying. Northern Irish office are mm. trying to recreate. And so what you have is the civil servants in Northern Ireland yeah. are trying to create, they've got a, a strategy called 10X, which is multiply things by 10 over the course of 20 years, right? Yeah, their poverty by 10. <laughs> well, exactly. So they are, so they're, the civil servants are trying, the Northern Irish office is trying to say, look, we can yeah. do this, right? Yeah. But the politicians on the union side don't want the North to get rich. They don't want the North to be prosperous. Because by being prosperous, the implication is that when the demography changes, the bill for unification will be lower and the Southerners will actually embrace it much more quickly. So this is the whole strategy. So, and the reason I talk about Flann O'Brien is <laughs> Flann O'Brien had this great riff, right? Which was to be properly Irish, the true Gael has to be really poor. It was like a piss take on De Valera. Right, right? Yeah, So yeah. remember yeah, De Valera's yeah. idea, we'd be comely maidens, yeah. we'd be, we'd be all... Dancing at the crossroads. We'd be all, yeah, we smoking doodines like Peg Sayers, right? <laughs> we'd be hanging out in the great blaskets and the pure gale, us Gaelica, yeah. will be booked. Maybe on bail booked, it's yeah. the poor mouth. That's yeah. the whole book was about, right? Yeah. Flannery O'Brien's on bail booked. Yeah. We'd be so fucking poor, but we'd be pure Irish poor, right? <laughs> so the real gale could never be rich. Because yeah. to be rich was an antithesis to the bail books, to the fact that, you know, uh, uh, we've had it so rough, but we're sitting here, August yeah. Tommy, they Lars Gaelic, and all that sort of stuff, right? And that's where the poetry then that's comes the from. That's the poetry, and you're, you know, you it's... something to write about if yeah, you're poor. Yeah, yeah, and then you something to write about in the misery, and yeah. my misery was worse than your misery, and yeah. oh, the West of Ireland was so miserable. And this was Flann O'Brien taking the piss out of De Valera. Mm. Very, very incendiary, very revolutionary, Brilliant, right? That's the brilliance of Flann O'Brien. The unions are doing the same thing now, right? It's the same ideas. You know how poor we are? We're so poor we support rangers. We're so <laughs> poor, right? We're so, we're sitting here with our lambeg drum, but only in poverty can we be pure, right? And it's the same idea. It's just like, if we had a writer like Flann O'Brien now, mm. he'd be taking the mickey out of the unionists. And the worst thing with the unions, they started rich. Yeah, yeah. They're getting progressively poorer, right? But so that's the sort of the ideology. And when I'm up there, I'm always, I have these Flann O'Brien moments, which is kind of weird when you're up giving speeches and things. In my head, I've got these, the brothers saying, <laughs> the immiseration of unionism, <laughs> the bail books and the whole thing. But that's the idea. So O'Brien was all about to be a pure paddy. Yeah. You had to be absolutely poverty stricken but but here's the thing that I, I'm not getting with this kind of strategy that's going on from the politicians is but what about your average Joe your average Dalai you know 
the average Billy. He, average Billy doesn't want to be poor, surely. The average and, Billy, does, of course, the average Billy doesn't want to be poor. So, they so, want to go to Alicante like everyone else. The whole world wants to go to Alicante. Exactly. <laughs> but 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 hang on a second. So but there's so, there's a, there's a cognitive dissonance in the north, right, between yeah. what the politicians are saying and the implication for economics, which is relative poverty is a strategy which are the only political class I've ever, ever heard saying that. Yeah. That relative poverty is our political strategy, right? That's the first thing. Because they see everything, they frame everything through the context of the union. If they didn't frame everything, this is what the whole point of Northern Ireland, if they didn't frame things through the context of the union, they'd be like everybody else, right? Yeah. So the average person in Northern Ireland is like the average person here. Everyone's the same. I'm married to, to people in Northern Ireland. They're exactly the same as us, right? Yeah. They want to get on, they want their kids to get on, et cetera, et cetera. But the political class on the unionist side is so obsessed by the union and by constitution and flags and everything mm. that they're dragging them back. And the great example of that is the Windsor framework, yeah, which Mary Lou couldn't say because it used the word Windsor was too British. <laughs> you know that, <laughs> which is kind of mad. But, you know, the economy is doing its own thing. So what the economy is saying to unionist politicians, we don't care. Yeah. Trade is going its own way. Well, okay. Let's talk about the economy, actually. Talk to me about the kind of the, the similarities and the differences between the two jurisdictions, as you were okay. saying. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about since the Belfast Agreement. Mm. Even the Belfast Agreement, do you realize, is loaded. I call it the Belfast Agreement because I'm married to Sean. Yeah. But apparently, nationalists call it the Good Friday Agreement. Yes. I know. I never knew this. What? I never. I, that only only the Hun calls it the Belfast Agreement, <laughs> and that the Fenians call it the Good Friday Agreement. I had no idea. Anyway, this was pointed out to me last week in Belfast right. by somebody said that is Hun speak. I said what? Hun speak. Anyway, so if you look at what's happening, right? Take since the Belfast Agreement, so the last mm. twenty five years, right? Good Friday Agreement. What you've seen, the Good Friday Agreement, right? What you've seen is. The economies have changed rapidly, right? The Northern Irish economy has expanded in real terms by 38% in those years, those 25 years. But the Republic economy, taking what we call a GNI, which mm. is the gross national income star, which takes out the impact of the multinationals. So you're taking out the impact of multinationals. Okay. So you're basically going more or less DJs, domestic that, that'd demand. That would be quite a difference. With yeah. This. Our economy has grown by 83%. In those 25 years. So it's mm. double. Yeah. The southern economy has grown twice as quick, even when you take out multinationals. So there's something bizarre going on. Mm. But if you look in the last five or six years, something amazing has happened since Brexit. So Brexit, according to the DUP, was supposed to drive a wedge between both societies and both economies. Yeah. What's actually happened is it's built a bridge. I'll give you the figures. The figures are amazing what's on, happening, right? So in 2021, right? Ireland exported 3.7 billion euros worth of goods to Northern Ireland and imported 4 billion from the North. Now, that's a significant increase from 2020, only 2020, right? When the exports to Northern Ireland stood at about 2.5 billion. So our exports have gone from 2.5 billion to 3.7 billion during Brexit. Wow. It's amazing. Imports from Northern Ireland to the Republic have also increased. This is all according to the CSO. Dur dur during COVID. Well. During COVID, right? And the other thing is, overall exports to Northern Ireland as a proportion of all Irish exports to the UK 
increased as a proportion from 16% of total mm-hmm. to 23% of total in the past two years. So trade between the Republic and Northern Ireland is flying. And similarly, the share of UK imports coming from Northern Ireland has shot up, right? So while politics might be trying to create borders, the economy is going the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30,000 people cross the border every day to go to work. This is the economy's integrating. And I'll give you, I'll give you some more figures, right? The Republic of Ireland is the single biggest export market for Northern Ireland outside of the UK, accounting for 40% of total exports outside of exports to Britain, right? Before Brexit, Northern Ireland exports to Britain were 3.7 times greater than exports to the Republic. Now that figure is only 2.5 times bigger. So what you're seeing is the economies are integrating unbelievably quickly. Yeah. And it's happened since Brexit. Now, this is the fascinating thing. So it means that the protocol is actually working. The protocol that the unionists go mad about is actually generating more trade. So it seems that Irish firms are using the North much more as a sort of a halfway house to export to Britain. Mm. And British firms are using the North much more as a halfway house to export to Ireland and into the EU. So that's as as it was supposed to work. But the unionist politicians are going mad about this. So what I'm saying so, is that... So we're not going to let them go poor yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're going to make you rich. Open your mouth, we're going to feed you. Exactly. No, so that's what's happening. So the fascinating thing is, despite all the politics and all the flags and all the loyalism and all the this, and not just loyalism, all the republicanism and the Sinn Feinerism, right? Mm. What is actually happening on the ground is both economies are integrating much, much quicker than anybody ever expected. And Brexit is having the opposite impact to what the Brexiteers hoped, which was that it would actually separate both countries. What it's actually doing is trade. I always say in the podcast, trade always finds a way. Yeah. That money and trade is like water. It flows via the path of least resistance. And if you put up barriers to it, it will flow the other way. But if you take down barriers, it'll actually make you richer. And that's what's actually happening Mm. in in the North. Now, of course, the problem is that the central dilemma for the North is that its productivity is much, much lower than ours. It's actually 40% lower per worker. Wow, that's a lot. It's huge. Just just tell me, what's that based on? How do you measure productivity? So basically, it's output per head. So it's how much every worker produces. And this is the elixir of all economics Mm. because you cannot have high wages with low productivity. And the problem in the North is not only is its output per head low vis-a-vis us, but it's also low vis-a-vis the rest of the UK. Does that depend on on the particular industry sector? Yeah, it does. So basically, if you are in low value-added service sector jobs, your output is going to be low and Mm. your wages are going to be low. So Northern Ireland is already lags behind the rest of the UK by 17% in productivity. And the UK lags behind the rest of the world with the UK's very low productivity economy. Right, yes, of course. We, on the other hand, have a high productivity economy. Our productivity is 40% above that of Northern Ireland. That explains the wage differences. So, for example, the average wage in Northern Ireland is about 64% of the average wage in the Republic, Mm. meaning that they earn about one-third less than we do. Yeah. But then you think, okay, what has that got to do with the dynamic of trade? Okay, let's let's do that. But just before we do, let's, let's just trade. Do <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Mark, you were talking about dynamics of trade. How does it work in Northern Ireland? Well, I think, and although this isn't really spoken about that much, but I think it's the case, there is an extraordinary opportunity for trade between Northern Ireland and the Republic on the basis of the following. The Republic of Ireland has too much demand and not enough supply. Mm. That's why we have inflation in house prices, we have inflation in wages, we have inflation in land prices. This is an economy that feels that it's too big for its boots. Yeah. If you know what I mean, it really yeah. does. Like It's stretched, it's coming apart at the seams, there's too much, we haven't enough capacity anywhere. In transport, and you know, when you look at traffic, right, you compare traffic flows in Dublin to traffic flows in Belfast, they're incomparable, right? Yeah. Belfast you can get around with so easy, right? Whereas here we're completely gummed up. So imagine that the Republic of Ireland has too much demand and not enough supply. Mm. Northern Ireland has too much supply and not enough demand. Yeah. You bring them together and everyone gains, right? Because that's the whole thing for trade is you put one type of economy together with another type of economy and typically what happens is you both gain. So does that also mean a lot of migration? Exactly. So oh, think of migration north yeah. and south. Okay. So, you know, I drove up to Belfast the other night. It's two hours away. Mm. And if you live in North Dublin, it's an hour and a half away or even an hour away. Yeah. Just again, I'll give you another figure, right? Prime rents in Belfast are 23 pounds or 26 euros per square foot. 
prime rents in Dublin are 65 euros. So Belfast is two-thirds cheaper yeah. for rent, right? If you're going to set up a company, put it up there. It's much, much cheaper, right? Think about the average rent for the average punter. Yeah. The average rent in Northern Ireland per month is about 900 euros. In the Republic, it's 1,750. So the average rent wow. is half the price in the North. Yeah. So why wouldn't you live there? Like, these are these are the sort of flows. So your prime rents are incredibly cheap. Residential rents are yeah. incredibly cheap. That those couple, wages as well, those cheap wages I talk about, that has to be attractive for Irish companies to go up in a veil of, you know, educated labour that is much cheaper. It's only 60 miles up the road. Yeah. It's really, really close, you know. I'll give you another thing. The average cost of a house in Northern Ireland is about 190 grand. Yeah. It's 310 grand here. So again, house prices are one third cheaper up there. Now, the logic of all this is that, as you said, there'll be a migration of capital, mm. a migration of talent. We will benefit from them. They will benefit from us. This is what I think is going to happen. What does that mean for Brexit then? You know, we we still have that problem of Brexit. Well, the, the, the Windsor framework, which Mary Lou couldn't mention, right? Yeah. Kind of solves that in a way. Because it kicks the can down the road. And what it says is... But, but you catch up with the can eventually. Yeah, eventually. Eventually. Well, not really, we could just keep kicking it down the road. I mean, that's what I think. So the, the logic of Brexit is to separate the two jurisdictions of the island. Yeah. What has actually happened, which is, again, fascinating, is the jurisdictions have become closer. And integration has become much, much more accelerated mm. than was the case. And I think the, the best way to conclude this is to think... Let's go back. We started with the border poll, right? Mm. If this level of integration continues and if people start doing their own thing, traveling, etc. I mean, if you go down, for example, Dublin Airport, the amount of Northerners who fly out of Dublin Airport, mm. Brexit voting Northerners with Irish passports. I know loads of them. Yeah. I know loads of them. Well, I have to say, I, I've used, recently I've used Belfast Airport quite a bit. Exactly. And yeah. of course, that little airport, the George Best Airport. Yeah. And in East Belfast, yeah. in and out in five minutes. Yeah. Right. So the fascinating thing is, and I hope this is the long-term strategy of the Irish government, is that by the time the border poll comes around, the economies of the North and South will be so integrated. It will be so much more common. The notion of the partition of the country and the line drawn in this, the, the laboratory we started yeah, about, yeah, yeah. will be so overwhelmed by the normal flow of economics, that when the border poll comes around, both economies will not be that different. And ultimately, the agenda of unionism to immiserate their mm -hmm. own folk will have been torpedoed by the fact that money and talent flow to where they get the best returns. And as we see now, that means that the economies are completely integrated, even if the politics are miles behind us. And it's always the case, John. Mm. Economics leads politics. Always does, always has done, and always will do. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. 
Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more.